0: Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want.
1: Good morning, everybody. Here we are. This is Myra Hall with the rest of the No BS gang, and we're bringing you another episode of No More Leadership BS. And here to start us out this morning is Dr. Sam Juning. Say howdy to the people. Oh my goodness.
2: It's great to see everybody. I'm first in line. I just feel so honored. <laughs> happy to be here. And uh hope the listeners are having a great day.
1: <laughs> okay, and let's go to last in line down on my screen, Mr. Jeff Goddard.
2: <laughs> last,
3: but you're not last least. I'm
1: last. <laughs> just so on my screen. Just if you're first
3: screen. if you're first, you're honored. What are you if you're last? The best? Equally honored nice recovery sam thank you sir
4: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: geoff say howdy hello
4: is. what's going on everybody super excited to be here can't wait to hear all of our wise cracking wisdom today <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh we can count on that we can count on that if nothing else this is fun that's for sure mm-hmm. and bringing up the tail end is jeff conroy <laughs> From the basement of Camp Conroy, what well up, Camp Conroy? That's a good one, Camp <laughs>
0: Dude, you
3: you need to get outside more often. Yeah, come on. <laughs> well, it's rained for
0: three days straight. I'm ready to build an ark.
1: Yeah, he might get a he might get a sunburn if he goes
0: right. <laughs> a translucent yeah. sun creaks through the yeah. clouds. And-
1: yeah,
0: like a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> and a shout out to my peeps in Eastern Oregon. <laughs>
1: I'm going to shout out to my peeps in Indiana. So there, anybody else going to shout out <laughs> to there? <laughs> I'll see yeah, your peeps and I'll raise you. New Zealand, uh, whoop, whoop, yeah. New Zealand. We try uh, in Australia. Guys, in the good. careers From category. The, so, on the box. so
0: good. You got the mates our, down there.
1: To our lawyer, list,
0: loyal lawyer.
1: listeners in Australia, welcome. Be sure and reach out to us if you have any questions. So
0: and and in India, we're very popular in India.
1: Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. It's only because they don't have as many podcasts. So we're just... We're...
0: Wow. <laughs> because we're... Uh, yeah, we're... No, it's because of attrition. That's, that's nice. <laughs> we're Myra. Thanks, Myra. That's good. That's good, we good, the punch bowl. Didn't come out quite right. All right. <laughs> Ms. Booger in the punch bowl. Jeez. <laughs> Go ahead, Myra. Start us off.
3: <laughs> just to save time, all the listeners, you can stop listening now. Yeah. (laughs)
0: We should have edited
3: this better. Yeah. Disclaimer on this
4: one.
1: This morning, I want to talk about the myth of having a right-hand man. And what do you do when he comes into your office, throws down his resignation letter, and says, I quit. Now, I've been in that position. Your heart falls your mind races, you've put so much into this person, not only in training, you trust them. They are your right-hand person. And without them, guess what? You don't get to go on the vacations that you had planned. And you don't get, your income is even at stake, potentially. It's oh, okay, I just got reminded, it's right-hand person, (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a right hand. It wasn't even reminded. Yeah. <laughs> it's a right hand person or left handed person or something handed person. Okay. Ambidextrous, ambidextrous hand person. Ambidextrous individual. Ambidextrous individual. Ambidextrous ambidextrous individual.
0: individual.
1: Somebody does ev- that does everything um, that you depend on and they quit on you. So the first, first thought I had, but I'm, why are they doing this? And I wondered, Jeff, can you hint, just throw in your two cents worth on why somebody that was so heavily depended on was making potentially, I guess, a good salary and had a leadership position, they would just quit? Oh, I can
4: think of a lot of reasons. <laughs> Realistically, I think about that. And I'm like, if you're not happy with your job, if you're not appreciated, if you're not feeling like you belong on the team, if it's not a fit for your vision, mission, vision, values, that even if you've been there for a while and help build a company, if it changes course, even if you're that right-hand person, even if you're the one who's in charge of things, if it doesn't feel like it's pertaining to your personal mission, if you don't have personal buy-in for any number of reasons, then I can see that person is going, well, this is just stress. All it is creating stress in their life All it is creating angst, anxiety, depression, all these different things that go with massive amounts of stress and the need or want to find something different becomes tantamount. And I can see that person going, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. This is just, this isn't a right fit. It started off as a good fit. It worked really well for a while, maybe even a number of years, but it's no longer the right fit and I'm out. If it's out of integrity of the brand, like, that's a big one right there. That's a for me, a number one reason to quit something is if it's out of integrity with who you are as a, a human being. So I could see that as a possibility between lots of different industries where I've been the right hand man. I've been the person who was leaned on for majority of things and I didn't mind for many years. Most of the time I was like, this is great. I love this. I get to do what I want to do and I get to have some freedom. But eventually it turned into a, a conflict of interest and a, a integrity issue where again, I was moving in a different direction than the organization and the organization just refused to change. And even with logic or anything like that, you just, you looked at them and said, this, they're stuck in their mindset. They're refusing to grow and out of integrity with what they're saying and what they're preaching and what they're trying to do in the world. And I can no longer be a part of that. So that's the reason I left an organization.
1: Oh, well, I can understand that. And, and Sam, I'm going to go to you next, but I guess that brings up the question is, what took so long? What happened from the time that you're happy till all of a sudden, this isn't working for me? Sam, have you ever had that kind of a situation?
2: I'm not sure I've had that kind of situation exactly, but- I'm going to nerdify this thing and talk about a, a research study about when men quit and uh, <laughs> women quit. Shocking. It's shocking. Men typically, I know, right? <laughs> typically, men will quit as soon as things get a little bit squirrely, right? They're not getting what they think they've, they're have owed, whatever that means, they're gone. Women typically will stay through a lot more stress and frustration because they've made a commitment. And this is true in particular with like athletes. If you're on a, a basketball team like a mens or women's. If you're on the men's team, you're not getting the play time, you're not getting seen, you're not getting shots. Fine. I'll go somewhere else. If you're on the uh, women's team, typically, they're committed to their teammates, so they're going to stick around even if they're not getting the play time or the looks they think they should be getting. So pull that into the traditional work world, there's a lot of things we will tolerate because of the need for that exchange. We're exchanging our time for that money. And so we can tolerate a lot of things to make sure we can keep food on the table and a roof over our head. But what takes so long is, imagine you're outside on a walk, and it gets hotter and hotter, and pretty soon you're angry because it's so hot. If you can't do anything about it, you're gonna get more and more angry. So as soon as you can, you get out of that heat. So in the work environment, it's the same kind of thing. If things don't change and you act like, I'm here because I need it, I'm here because it's right, you can get more frustrated, more angry, more upset till one day it's just enough. I'm getting out of this heat. I'm going somewhere else.
1: I'm glad that you brought up sports in that analogy because that is something that has been playing in my head. It's I'm not a sportsman. I'm not a football player. I'm not a football watcher. But I, there was two quarterbacks that just I, I really enjoyed. Tom Brady of the Patriots and Peyton Manning of the Colts. Now, the Colts are pretty special to me. I know he's not with the Patriots anymore, but he was. Okay?
0: He's retired. Or...
1: He's retired now. Both of them <laughs> are eight, retired. For he's 15 yeah.
0: minutes. <laughs> yeah, He's not but, with anybody right now.
1: But the analogy there is they were very heavily leaned on for the team's success. And they quit. And I don't know what all went into it. In my perception, it was sudden. And they went someplace else. But the teams afterwards didn't do so well. And there's probably reasons that I'm not aware of, but all I see is the, the important person or the person that they leaned on, that they looked up to that led them, basically, and was important for the success of the owner is gone. And now all of a sudden the team's not doing so well. What's up there? What's up that would cause somebody that... And I think both of them, Peyton and Tom Brady, both, that was their only team, wasn't it? Up that's to the they, time that's they left?
0: They, that's where they started with, yeah. Yeah. But you said and, suddenly Brady left after 20 years.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. but it seems sudden because it's something that you expected. Sure. And and don't drill down too deeply on this because I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just, uh, uh, that's awesome. I'm going to. I'm good. I know what the perception is. And that's what
0: I'm talking about. <laughs> Brady himself said he, he he left because he wanted to try something else. He said he'd been with the Patriots for 20 years and he wanted to try for something else. Now, can I take the, the point counterpoint on this? Sure. Absolutely. I hear everybody, everybody saying. Point counterpoint is, I, as a leader, have always felt my job was to develop new leaders. So I I, I want them to... Advance. Now, if it means advancing to another company, that's fine. I won't, I don't want to spend 10, 15 years developing somebody. But if their next job is with someone else, then they're taking what I've taught them or what I've developed with them to another organization. And I want them to thrive. I want them to have their, sh- their shining moment. That is, that is my purpose as a leader is to develop new leaders. Whether they stick with my organization or whether they move on. Now, if somebody just comes in and says, I quit, I've been there, I've seen that. And it's to to quote, to use your sports analogy, Bill Parcells, who says, If you want me to cook, if you want me to cook the meal, at least let me shop for the groceries. I've had people get mad because. They didn't feel like they were involved, or they didn't have say in a project that they were overseeing, and that's that was the old Jeff. That was before servant leader Jeff. And I truly see the value in saying, "Hey Sam, this is what we need to do. This is what I like. I'd like to see, and I'd like to have this done in the next 12 months. Go forth, be fruitful, do not pass go, and let's check in once a week and see how we're doing." That's the new Jeff. But I've had people get mad saying. I'm, I'm out of here because you want me to do this, but you're not allowing me to decide how we do it. You're, you want me to do it your way.
1: And I imagine that there's lots of reasons and because of human dynamics. Sure. And I think if you own your company versus if you are just leadership within the company, it makes a huge difference. Because I know I was depending on this person for part of my income. When she just got them left. And that leaves you with a completely different go forth and prosper. That's a tough one. Sure. Because all of a sudden you're faced with bills that not only are you not have that income, but now the income that you produce has to go toward bills that were meant for the whole team. So I, it, there's a completely, I think there's a different dynamic there and you guys may feel differently, um, but by the question that jumps out from your counterpoint is why do we put ourselves in that position? Is And is there a way to have a right-hand person or ambidextrous person or somebody that we depend on? And because that's an important position for somebody that's leading is to have somebody that's, right with you, but is doing the managing stuff. Jeff, what do you, Jeff Geyer, what do you think is, where do you think we go wrong there when we depend too much on somebody?
3: I'm not sure the going wrong part is when we depend on someone. I I think there's some school of thought that would say the go wrong part is when you depend on only one person we should have instead of one uh, go to person as you've described them maybe have two or three or four or, or whatever it takes it, it, it depends upon how big your business is i think in your example you just gave myra that's a, i'm not pounding on you but a, a small like real estate company where you're sharing commissions or when somebody gets a commission the the broker takes some of it or something if if you're in a bigger company that's generating millions of dollars <clears throat> with a service or a product or something like that in the uh, the CEO's um, right-hand person leaves and the company falls apart or the leadership or the culture falls apart. I I don't think that's on the the value of the one person that left. I think it's on the short-sightedness of the leader that remained that didn't have the systems and the people in place that were outside or bigger than just one key person. If you have one key person that if they left, your business would fall apart. That's like having one key customer. That if they left, your business would fall apart. Ha- having one or, or putting it's this, it's the putting all your eggs in one basket mentality. When you do that, you it, you may be successful, but you're risking a lot of eggs. Diversify. You should diversify. There you go. That's well. That's a big word. And I thank you, Conroy. That's- you're welcome. It was my it was my uh,
0: thesaurus toilet paper this morning. <laughs> I...
1: So you're, you're really talking about the own it mentality,
3: then? Um, um, y- y- yes, you have to own it, but it's you've built a, a culture potentially that really is tied around the the productivity and, and maybe somewhat personality and experience and things of one person. And I would suggest that you, you need to build the systems and the the culture so that it's not built around one person, whether that one person is you or you're one key person, it should be built around numerous people. 100%
0: agree. Yep.
1: Dr. Sam, how does loyalty play into this? Gosh, loyalty,
2: that that's a, uh, it's a double-edged sword for me because we talk about loyalty and what we mean sometimes is loyalty to the business. And when the business has a downturn and they cut people loose, loyalty goes right out the window. So it's really a one-way street in that regard. However, I think there's a a loyalty to treat people as well as you possibly can. And that is two-directional. So if you've got that go-to person and you're interacting with them, giving them some power, giving them some direction, and they're giving you information and they're giving you suggestions, and it's a two-way, it's a partnership, then you have some loyalty to each other in that regard. But let's not conflate that good relationship with the business style loyalty where the CEO gets all twisted because people quit. Well, where's your loyalty? It's with my family. So I'm going to serve them by going somewhere else and being employed where I can look at myself yeah. in the mirror. It's just that easy. I agree with it that. It just
1: brings um, up a huge... Uh, you just opened up a big pit to step into, uh, I will say. Good one, um, Sam. Because... I'm <laughs> <Shame laughs> to serve everybody. <laughs> But we can't forget that this is a business. We can't forget that we have to make the decisions based on the business surviving. And that always isn't the best decisions for, for the people that are. Now, I know Simon Sinek says, never fire anybody. You know, he, and I can't remember the whole philosophy behind it. But your people are your capital. And I really believe that. But if you're going through COVID and your income is cut and you can no longer pay their salaries, it's not because that they're a bad employee or any of that stuff. You just can't afford it. That's a reality. So with that, and with what just Sam just said, Geoff, how how can we look at this in a more healthy way? Because it's inevitable. Change is inevitable. And is it in the preparation? Is it in your whole systems need to be built around a system instead of people? Or is it people that we need to, to bring in around the system? It's this chicken array oh, thing. Yeah. That, that
4: really is an egg or chicken argument. I think you have to have the people to put the systems in place. But once you have the systems, you should be able to plug and play with different people. So if all of a sudden somebody goes, I don't really like this. Great. We know your system, we know exactly what's going on and how it's supposed to work. We can put in a new person as long as they are a fit with our culture and the system should continue to run. I'm working with right now the uh, a group and one of the the managers his entire goal, one of his goals is he wants the system and his people to work perfectly if he's not there. And so he's working on training and making sure everybody go, knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And what are the contingencies if A, B, C, and D happen? And how do they make that? How do they make that a reality? And given the fact that things are constantly in flux and constantly changing in our current environment and with regulations and everything like that, that it's very interesting. It, the, the changes in his industry in particular are exceedingly challenging because he's like, well, we get we train people in one way and then all of a sudden they say, that's not the right way. Now we got to do it this way. And it's frustrating, but he's trying to work with it and trying to make sure that his team is independent as best as he possibly can, which I think is a good leadership quality, making sure your team knows exactly what they're doing. So if somebody goes away for any number of reasons, because obviously there's lots of reasons, that The team continues to function. If you are a one trick pony and you have only one client and that client goes away, you're in trouble. If you have that one person that does 90% of your sales and that person goes away, you're in trouble. You haven't put that team together and the sequence of events that need to happen so that everyone can be successful. And so that's the CEO, chicken paradox,
0: chicken and egg. That's a, we could probably go on for hours about that. But you're talking about creating a culture where they're doing that. A a good leader will have the vision of what he wants in that system and hire fire accordingly. In my experience, I had different leaders. I called them lieutenants. I had different leaders oversee different parts of the company. They all had their own goals and they were in control of those goals. We met on a regular basis, but it was their job to generate the outcomes for those goals, and that's how they became independent. So, no matter if I went on vacation or whatever, they still had to reach those goals because there was incentives tied to them. Right? Board of directors is the same way. I, I, I don't. You've heard me say this before. I don't subscribe to the fog the mirror, have a pulse board member mentality. I believe in the have a purpose mentality, where you develop committees and recruit people to sit on those committees. No, don't just accept anybody and say, what committee would you like to be on? It's, I have a finance committee. I need finance people. I have a marketing committee. I need marketing people. Those type of people. So that's purpose as well. So, But it's the leader's responsibility to have that vision on what that would look like and to hire and fire accordingly, in my opinion. Lamb based away.
1: I don't disagree with you. I And I think the chicken and the egg thing, we could um, I go a million directions. But here's what come to my mind when you were talking, and I'll throw this out to Jeff Geyer is, um, and I should give you a little bit more up. I'm sorry, Jeff. (laughs) But is if we are going to give that to the employees or to the people that we are leading, that isn't, don't we have in a reverse there that they have got to give us back the same as leaders, the same or respect to do what's best, make the decisions, and it's not personal. If we have to?
3: Should they or or
1: doesn't it go both ways is what I'm trying to say. Doesn't if we are as leadership, we're leading for a purpose, right? We've got a culture, we've got an ultimate goal. And usually that's to make money. In non-profits, it's a serve. I know they do. They just don't make I understand. They just don't pay <laughs> <plans>. <laughs>
0: it's tax. tax It's just a tax designation. Is all
1: it is. Yeah.
3: It's, it's not for tax. It's not for profit.
1: But they shouldn't see the leader as an evil guy if they've got to make changes based on changing circumstances.
3: Yeah, the the foundation, if I'm hearing you right, Myra, of the question, is this a two-way street between leadership and non-leadership people in an organization? And the answer is yes, it's a two-way street. However, who has, which of those parties, if we're going to separate it between leadership and non-leadership, which is a little against what I believe, I, I think we're all leaders whether we have what what some people would consider entry-level jobs or you're the CEO. But that aside, if there's two groups, leadership and non-leadership, yes, it's a two-way street, but it's the leader's responsibility to create the environment such that the employees can grow into and have that or see their portion of the two-way street. It's not the employee's fault. It's the owner's fault. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, The the leader's fault.
1: And it's a mutual trust that I'm looking for. A trust to always be honest, whether it's good news or bad news.
3: Yes. And where we started um, this episode off when um, Geoff was talking about sometimes employees, whether they're the leaders or the number one or number two person, or even just a line employee, I guess if that's the way to say it, sometimes the organization doesn't change and the employees leaders or not, grow and they grow out of or out of alignment with the culture of the organization. Sometimes the organization grows out of alignment with the employees and so they quit, even though there's nothing wrong with the culture or the commitment from either one of those parties. Sometimes stuff just doesn't fit.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I... I, Pags round holes. Yeah, and that takes me back to we can count on change. We can count on change, so it shouldn't surprise us when it happens. And it's only when you ignore the fact that there's going to be change that you're unprepared. Right. And, yeah. and I know we're getting down to the time, but I'd like to end this with everybody just throwing in just a comment on not being prepared for change. We'll start with you, Dr. Sam. It is going to happen.
2: And we can will or wish it won't, but it's going to show up. COVID proved that. In a lesser degree, it happened before that with people just making a decision like you've described, Myra, just to, I believe, a company or organization. So knowing that we don't get to know what that change is going to be, we need to think about succession planning, systems planning, make sure that we're doing everything we can so that when that thing happens, whatever that thing might be, we're mostly prepared. If we don't have a, a specific protocol, I doubt. At least we've got the cognitive wherewithal. We've already planned out how to be nimble and how to adjust to to changes. If we're interested in stay the course because it's working, then we're going to get knocked off course for sure. It's absolutely going to happen.
1: Yeah. it's The preparation is a part of leadership that seems to be ignored or forgotten a lot of times, especially when things are going good. How about you, Jeff Conroy?
0: The only thing constant is change. And while God will provide, I like to hedge my bets. So I always like to, (laughs) I like to surround myself with amazing people and not just one person. So I have to agree with Sam. COVID taught us that if you weren't prepared before COVID, you're in a lot of trouble. I think those companies that were have a great company culture are still in business and thriving and surviving. So yeah, hedge your bets. Ted your bets. And loyalty, I'm a believer that loyalty only happens if the employees are happy and they're moving forward. The moment you wrong an employee, they're going to burn you with fire.
1: very possible. I've had it happen. Yep. How about you, Jeff Geyer? You have anything, party thoughts?
3: I have lots of thoughts in my, in my mind. <laughs> and I think maybe just to say it in, in my way, it's very similar to what Doctor Sam said. Is I I believe that I firmly believe that the world was put together such that everything is either growing or it's dying. There is no status quo, and and therefore change is just what's going to happen. You're either going to change in a growth or growing type process, or you're going to change in a dying type process. There is no standing still. If, if those are my two choices, and And I believe those are the two choices. That's the way the world was put together. I'm going to choose the growing one, realizing that even as I'm growing, I'm still going to make mistakes because doggone it, I'm human, but I'd rather grow than die.
1: And learn from those mistakes on the way. That's That's important.
3: important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and, Geoff, you get get the last word here today. Wow. Oh, man. That happens. (laughs) Never. (laughs) (laughs) I met your wife she's a
0: very nice lady. She's a wonderful <laughs> lady. And that's my words. Okay, no, I
4: would say this. Change we've already said change is inevitable. It doesn't matter if it's glacial change, very slow or a tsunami, it's going to wash right over you. Do the best you can with what you've got and continue to learn and when you know better, do better. And that's it. Like you got to go with the flow. You can't you can ride a, a glacier and it's real real slow, but if you try and, you know, jump on a surfboard in a tsunami, you're going for the ride of your life and it's going to be very quick. So do the best you can with what you got, man. There's there's no getting around it. You just got to do what you can.
1: There is no better words than when you know better, do better. Because that's mm-hmm. the best week and great words to sign off on. Friends, we're just so happy that you have joined us. We're almost up to 75,000 downloads. In fact, we may Woo-hoo! be there. We're so close and you're the reason. And we so appreciate all of you. So until next week. Bye bye from us.
4: Bye, Bye. Man, bye, bye. bye. Better buck. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.